Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Uh, for those of you uh, who I haven't met, my name's Penny, uh, and it's just a real privilege uh, to be a part of this family. I am, uh, I'm stoked. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it, right? I, I love, uh, this morning I woke up and uh, I came downstairs and my boys, like, so they live for Sunday. Uh, they, they, they love Sunday and I love that. I love that when you wake up, that, you know, on school days, sometimes it's a battle to get out of the door. But on Sundays, right, even if they've had a really late Saturday, they are rearing to go, right? They, uh, uh, they, they came early to church this morning with Caleb, <laughs> which was so nice. And, you know, and, and there's a joy in that connection. And I've had the privilege of spending a few weeks uh, with the kids in our kids' church recently. And uh, do you know what? We, on a Sunday, we have like 50 kids under 12 in our church, right? There's 50 kids, at least. That's like average Sunday, like often 70, yeah, and do you know that, like, I'm like, God, you've entrusted us with, fifth, like, a whole group of, of incredible people, right, and I think it's an incredible blessing, but man, I'm also struck by the responsibility, not just for me as a parent, but I'm like, God, you've blessed us with an amazing group of young people, and they are passionate about Jesus, Right, we're not babysitting <laughs> at Kids Church. I love that we're not babysitting. We we believe that they can encounter the Holy Spirit, that they have the Holy Spirit in them, that they that they'll know Jesus. And and so I love that it's a group thing for us as adults, but actually it's a group thing for all of us, right? That there's a blessing that my children grow up knowing and having friends who also love Jesus. Um, but can I invite us? Can I can I encourage us? I think our kids need us to, to really pray and, and, and really invest in them, you know, because actually you, maybe they're not your children, maybe you don't have, yet have children, maybe your children are grown, uh, whatever space you're in, actually we need to pray protection over our kids. We need to pray that they are flourishing, that there is a space, and, and I think it's a, a great blessing, but actually as a church it's a great responsibility. Because I, I want to get to the end of my life and I want God to be like, well, I think you, you gave your best, but also th- that I put people in your world and that you've protected, you've cared for, you've invested in those people. And can I encourage you? Because it's fun, right? If you feel passionate about kids, come and be a part of it, right? Because we know uh, that, that they're an amazing thing. And if you want to be encouraged in your faith, just hang out with us group of kids, yeah, because they'll do that for you, and and, and I love that, uh, we've been looking at the series, and we're kind of getting near the end of the series now, about it's a group thing, right, that it's a group thing, and uh, we're looking at the idea that we follow Jesus for ourselves, but we don't follow him on our own, or we follow Jesus for ourselves, but we don't follow Jesus by ourselves, right, and I love that, we're designed for community, do you know, like, any time when I've had to spend time just by myself, I realise that I am designed for community, right? I don't know, I mean, extroverts out there who also feel that way, right? I've realised the value of kind of time on my own, but extended periods, this gets pretty lonely, you know? I realise that actually I'm designed for relationship. I'm designed for community. And each of us is in that space, that even if we're introverted, that, that we need each other. 
that there's a power in the connections that we have, that we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but he's put us in a community of believers. And, and following Jesus is something that we do together. It's something that we get to do together, and it's an incredible blessing. And I, I want to focus this morning, I just... I've been thinking about this idea of more joy and just the incredible blessing that we have of, of joy that comes and, and uh, joy that is, is from the Lord, right? Is incredible strength that we get to have. But I, I'm like, God, I want to be a people who are joyful. I want to be a people that, that the joy kind of runs off, right? It's like a sweet aroma. I go into a room and it's joy that's left behind, you know, that that's the thing. And, and I've, I was just struck with this idea of something that I think that comes to kind of sneak away at our joy. Uh, and so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to encourage us this morning. And I want to look at the areas of comparison and contentment. Uh, and I, I think we have a natural tendency uh, to compare ourselves to other people, right? It starts from a really little age, a very young age. Uh, children have the capacity to compare what they have and what other people have. <laughs> uh, and if you've ever hung around uh, another, uh, a little person, right, as that toy has never looked so exciting until the moment that it's in somebody else's hand. Right? It's like it just never, ever gets played with. We, uh, and then the moment somebody else has got it, it's like your most prized possession and you don't want to give it up. Uh, and, and the thing about comparison is it's not only something that impacts today's society. I want to look at a story from the New Testament this morning uh, where I think someone is wrestling with the same idea. Uh, and uh, we're, I'm going to speak from John 21 this morning. And if you know uh, John 21, uh, we often hear it preached uh, and it tends to be focused on the kindness of God. right? Because what happens in John 21 is that Jesus gently restores Peter after he denies knowing him three times. Uh, and just before Jesus' crucifixion, Peter denies knowing Jesus on three occasions. Uh, and then what happens in John 21 is that uh, Jesus is resurrected and he comes back and he meets with the disciples. Uh, and for every spoken denial from Peter, Jesus expresses love and, and a recommitment. Uh, and it, while I think that's an incredibly powerful series of events and something so worthy of our focus, today I'd look, like to look at what happens kind of immediately after that. Uh, so can you come with me this morning? We're going to go uh, to John 21. I'll just read you that little uh, passage and then I'll uh, look at the, the thing that happens right at the end. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look up uh, John 21 verse 15 this morning. It says this, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Uh, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He spoke this signifying what death he would, uh, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple who Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain, uh, sorry, if I, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. See, in verse 19, Jesus tells Peter a little about uh, how he might die, but then he focuses attention and commands him again to follow me. Follow me, right? It's simple enough. It's actually, interestingly, in this encounter, uh, they're at the beach and they've been out fishing, uh, and that's how Peter got started in the first place, and actually in the same place. Jesus met Peter when he first called him and invited him uh, in Matthew 4, verse 19, it says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But then something interesting happens with Peter. Jesus is walking down the beach, and Peter, man, what a big moment, right? He's just been fully restored and reinstated for his service by Jesus. And, you know, Jesus has commissioned him again from a, from a fisher of men to a tender and a feeder of his sheep. And he's just heard a little bit about his future and what it might be like. So you kind of get the idea, man, that maybe his head's spinning a bit. Uh, but all Peter has to do right now is to focus on Jesus and to follow. They're on the beach, right? Practically pretty easy to follow on the beach, right? There's, uh, Jesus is leaving footprints. <laughs> uh, but in verse 20 we read, Then Peter turning around. The word in the original Greek language indicates an abrupt change of direction, even kind of like a turning back. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. School, interestingly, the disciple who Jesus loved is John, and John wrote the book about him. So, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, they put headings in, and uh, one of the headings in the middle of John 21 is the beloved disciple and his book. That <laughs> like... <laughs> See, we've been thinking over the past few months about community and how we're made to live in relationship with one another. See, the challenge is that it's human nature to compare ourselves to, to others. We kind of start noticing what's happening in other people's lives, what's going well, how they're succeeding, maybe what God's doing for them. We start looking at our own life and uh, seeing areas where we could be doing better at things, uh, like we perceive other people to be doing. And then if we're not careful, we've started comparing our situation to theirs, and we realize that we've just lost a bit of com uh, a co contentment, right? I don't know about you. Have you ever been to the gym and run on the treadmill? Right. Okay, moment of honesty. I'm not. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. I. Uh, but I have 
on the rare occasion gone to the gym and decided that I was going to run on the treadmill, right? So uh, imagine yourself in this city, uh, situation. It's a, it's a busy morning, right? And I don't know why they do this, but they line all the treadmills up together. And then they make you walk past the treadmills when you're going to get changed, like everyone's watching you, you know? Uh, and so there's already a few people on the treadmills. It's a, a busy morning. And so you kind of like you look from the back and you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for that treadmill, right? And so you take your treadmill and you, uh, you, you start jogging. And, you know, I'm not uh, much of a runner at the best of times, but I've noticed something that happens sometimes uh, when you get on the treadmill, right? There's this temptation to, like, glance over and see how fast the person beside you is running. <laughs> Right, anyone else done that? Well, like you realise like that they're running quite fast and then you realise oh, they're on an incline as well. <laughs> and you're like, oh shoot. And see, you do like one of two things, right? You decide, no, there's just no way I'm going to reach that speed. Or you find yourself like beginning to like run and pay, like in, in sync with them, you know? Or uh, you try to match their pace and their cadence. And so either you're feeling like, pretty stoked with yourself because you're like, guys, this is so easy. And then you start like beeping it, like turning it up and then, uh, you know, kind of, or you're like dying on the inside, <laughs> trying to run as fast as the other person. Anyone else relate? Never happened to you? No? Okay. Maybe just me. <laughs> See, but I reckon in life we've been in lots of similar situations to that, right? Maybe not on the treadmill, I, uh, yeah, I remember hearing about a cyclist and uh, a really good cyclist in, in cycle races. And as they were going up the hill, whenever they'd pass another cyclist, like they might be dying on the inside, they'd like smile on the way past, just like make it look really easy for that like little, you know, second that they were passing. <laughs> but it can happen with finances, with work, with recognition, with relationships. And Theodore Roosevelt, among others, is famously quoted as saying, comparison is the thief of joy. See, comparison robs us of joy and contentment. And in community, there's this temptation to begin to compare ourselves with other people. And there's a risk that eats away at our joy and contentment. And, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how important community is, how vital it is, how life-giving it is. And so I think one of these things that this morning I felt this real strong is like, I think we have to talk about this because we want to stay in a place of healthy community, united with one another. And in Galatians 6, verse 4 to 5 uh, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he encourages them with this. He says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. See, when we do our best, we feel good about the results, and Paul is current encouraging the church in Galatia not to get lured in to comparison. And Peter, if we go back to Peter, he turned from following Jesus and started looking at somebody else who was also a follower. And kind of his stride is broken when he loses focus and stops following. And, and once again, he takes his eyes off Jesus. And 
uh, you know, this has happened to him. Peter's an pretty incredible uh, guy in the Bible. You know, he, uh, he walks on water. Uh, Jesus invites him to step out of the boat uh, a while earlier. <laughs> uh, and the, the thing is that when he takes his focus off Jesus in that moment, he sinks, right? Uh, and in this situation, uh, it's not the water and the waves that he's distracted by, but he stops and he looks at John instead. So now we read in verse 21, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And see, it's interesting, eh? Because if we look at Jesus's answer to Peter's question, it isn't really a, an answer to the question that he actually asked. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Notice that Jesus is not saying John will stay alive until Jesus returns, but he's telling Peter, that's not what I want you to be thinking about right now. In relation to John, I, I, you don't need to be worried about that. You don't need to be worried about that. Just keep following me. Uh, you, you might have heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Or a variation of that phrase. And do you know, I read some interesting things, Re, like researchers have actually looked into this idea, like people research all sorts of things, and they've discovered something really interesting, that when you look over the fence, grass on somebody else's property actually does look greener than your own grass. <laughs> Crazy, right? They've discovered, apparently it's to do with the physics of how grass grows, um, and the perspective can mean that when you look at somebody else's grass, it actually does look green, even if your grass is exactly the same, which is crazy, right? I'm like, that blows my mind. Don't ask me how, what, what about the physics of it. Just, um, yeah. But see, comparison stops us from enjoying what we have, and it can steal away our joy. And the world is pulling us towards more negative social comparison. Social media can be huge for encouraging social comparison and causing us to focus on what others have, on how they're doing. It's like the highlight reel of somebody else's life. It's so glamorous. And social media causes us to focus also on how many people are liking my things or following me. Whereas Jesus is asking us, to focus on how closely we are following him. See, Peter had a hard enough job following Jesus without worrying about somebody else, right? And all of us are vulnerable to comparison. It's not just encouraging us, uh, it's, it, sorry, it's not just encouraging us to envy or, or what other people have. The risk is that we also begin to question our worth and our ability to do what God's called us to do. See, we're often acutely aware of our imperfections, of the areas where we need to improve. If you ask anybody, right, they'll it much harder to tell you things that they're awesome about than things that they need to work on. And see, we often get this highlights reel of somebody else's life, that the challenge of this, and, and I think uh, New Zealand, has some really challenging parts of our culture where we can at time kind of be encouraged to push one another down or, or to be competitive with one another. Uh, that 
Sadly, like we don't like the idea of tall poppies, you know, people standing up uh, and flourishing, you know, getting recognition and things. And, uh, and that means people are pulled down rather than encouraged to thrive. And Paul uses the analogy of a body in his letter to the church in Rome to talk about the community of faith. And Pastor John, I actually touched on this last week, and I wanted uh, to read it to you from the message translation this morning. Uh, In Romans 12, verse 4 to 6, it says this, In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. See, Paul is encouraging the people of Rome to see themselves as an integral part of the church and to be careful not to get distracted or to kind of lose the specialness of who he's called them to be by comparing themselves to other people. And God's made us for community. This faith, a faith life is a group thing. Each of us is both important and vital to the body, but also incredibly special and unique. And we're necessary for each other's flourishing. So the question is, I want to encourage us this morning, how do we protect against comparison? How do we protect? I want to just uh, list three ways I think that can really work to kind of go in the opposite spirit, where we feel comparison coming in, that it's just a great thing that we can do uh, to to combat comparison, to to just operate in a different way. And the first one is this, encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews encourages the people in chapter 10, verse 23 to 25, and says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to this hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. See, choosing to encourage another person rather than being distracted by comparison is incredibly powerful. It's motivating for the person, but it also keeps us in a place of contentment. Uh, Before I became a pastor, I worked as an intermediate teacher. Uh, That was what I did, and uh, it was awesome. I love my job. 98% 98% of the time, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was, I loved the kids I got to teach. It was awesome, and like every job, it had its moments. It, uh, it was everything, and, and every so often, I'd like receive an email in my inbox that kind of had like an encouraging comment on it, and someone really early on in my career said to me, anytime you get an encouraging email, put it in a like a, like a little folder of encouraging emails in your emails, and then when you've had a hard day, you can go to those emails, you can look through and be encouraged, right, by what people have said uh, and things. 
Uh, and that was incredibly powerful for me. I used to, uh, to read them on days when something tough had happened or uh, when I'd had to have a hard conversation with someone. And, and, you know, I think encouragement is so incredibly powerful. And we often think someone is doing a great job or about how much of a blessing they are to us, but it's not always that we say it. Right, often we leave it at that, like you walk past someone and you're like, man, that person is awesome. You have a conversation and then you find yourself walking away and in your head you're like, oh, I'm just really stoked that I'm friends with them. Like, we feel just really uplifted or whatever. But we often don't say, I'm super grateful for you. Man, I'm so thankful for that. Right, that what you said to me really was super encouraging. And how incredible would it be If we were a community who was known for the ways we encouraged one another, helped each other to take steps of faith, celebrated and honoured people and reminded them of how much we valued them. Because it's a group thing. We all need encouragement and support. See, we do better when we feel valued and needed. And we feel that what we bring and who we are, that it matters to other people. Right? I, think, I think it's so powerful. And I love the idea, right, that we can help other people. Like sometimes you just need... Okay, I'm going to use an example, and I want you to go with me on this example, right? Okay. So, like, I always think, you know, people have these dreams, right? And and it's kind of like a hot air balloon, right? But sometimes they need lift to get off the ground. And where this analogy falls down is, I think that encouragement can be like the kind of hot air that lifts people, right? And you've got to kind of not see it as just hot air, what you're saying, right? That's where the analogy falls down. But the whole idea that actually sometimes to get and to feel confident and to be able to take a step of faith, we just need people to believe in us, Right, like to be able to be like, man, and it's, it's, I mean, some people manage to do it without encouragement, and I'm amazed at those people. But more often than not, we'll take steps of faith when we feel like there's people around us who are cheering us on. Where there's people around us who care about what we are caring about, that, that actually they're there and they're, they're, they'll talk to us about maybe the challenging moments, but they'll also remind us of the good things that God's doing. And, and I think... I just, I'm like, that challenge of like, how can I be more encouraging? I don't know, sometimes you get that like little secret note in your pigeonhole. Maybe you don't have a pigeonhole at work or someone leaves you something or, you know, it's just just someone sends you a text. Someone's thinking of you and they say, man, actually, I was just thinking of you this morning. Just wanted to tell you this. And they have to be like a ginormous, glamorous act, but just a way to encourage one another. And, and what about a community of people that do that? Because I think that combats comparison. Like when we look and we're thinking about the things that we're grateful for in other people, like comparison just doesn't have a space in their head. That it kind of gets squeezed out. And so I want us to encourage us to encourage one another. <laughs> the second area is this, to be thankful In Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. 
Thanksgiving moves our perspective from what we don't have or how we're different to other people and enables us to see and think about all the ways that God has blessed us. See, choosing to be thankful for the people in your world and the blessings you've received are really important, but also for how God has made you. Right, choosing to to recall, God, I'm thankful for the fact that you've made me like this. That these things are, are, are valued things to you. That you don't make mistakes. When we feel comparison sneaking in, make a practice of recalling things that you're thankful for. Continue until you feel a shift in your mindset over time. On Thursday night, Pastor Peter shared Ephesians 5 verse 20, where Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus to be careful about how they live. Uh, And he says this, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, uh, this statement, God is looking for thankfulness and appreciation. As we live by the power of the Holy Spirit, he helps us to be thankful for who we are and what God has given us. So the second way to protect against comparison stealing our joy is to be thankful. And the third way is this. Maybe, team, you guys can kind of come. See, is follow Jesus closely. One of the best ways to avoid falling into the temptation of comparison is to have a healthy sense of our own call. To know how Jesus is asking us to follow him. What he's asking us to do and focus on. As Jesus encouraged Peter to follow him in John 21, we too are to follow him closely. To spend time with him and to learn his ways. To read about him and follow the practices he encourages of his disciples. I've loved that. Like the series that we've done over the last two years, I think have just been so focused on like, what does Jesus teach us to do? What is He encouraging us? What is His way? How do we come into an alignment with what His way is for our life? And I I love that we're in pursuit of that as a church, that we're talking about the different areas where we can uh, follow Jesus, where we can be like Him. And then to consider what's He saying to me? What's he calling me to do? See, while Jesus is encouraging Peter in John 21 to keep focused on him, he's not discouraging him uh, from his relationship with John. Jesus drew together an incredibly diverse mix of disciples, right? And intentionally, he sends them out, sometimes in pairs, sometimes in groups, to minister in different areas. The incredible blessing that we are following Jesus for ourselves, but we don't follow Jesus on our own. We can work to encourage one another to continue to take steps of faith, to pray for each other, and to champion the call of God in each other's lives. See, sometimes you need to discuss, right? And seek wise counsel from people that you trust about what God's calling you to do. It's a great idea if you feel like God's calling you to do something really big. 
Right? Talk to a few people that you trust, who you know, you see the fruit in their lives, right? Of good decision making. That's a really powerful thing you can do. And I find e-group is a great place for me to have these conversations. See, to have ladies that I can trust and I can discuss things with, it's such a blessing. And if you're not in an e-group yet, man, we'd love to help you find a place of connection. After the service, please come and chat if you haven't found an e-group because we want to find a space that works for you. But I want to read Romans 12 verse 4 again. It says this, In this way we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of His body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into an excellently formed, a marvelously functioning part in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something that we aren't. See, the most significant thing you can do for Jesus is to just be who He created you to be. And this morning, I, in preparing this message, I've just had the sense that there are a few areas where, where we might find an opportunity to respond this morning. See, for some of us, as I've been talking about following Jesus and the call that He's given us, that maybe you've just recognised like, I don't have a strong sense of the call that God's got for me. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Possibly life has convinced us that God doesn't have something that we can give our lives to, that we're not valued enough, that He wouldn't trust us with something. And that's, I think that God wants to, to, to realign our thinking to say, actually, that's not the truth. That actually He's got great things for each one of us. And I don't think He wants us to kind of stumble around in the dark trying to figure that out. And so this morning, maybe that's you. If that's you, I'm going to invite our prayer team are going to come. You guys can come now if you want. We'd love to be able to pray with you. Right? If that's you recognizing this morning, I'm not sure uh, what areas. Uh, I'd Just asking God for a word this morning. This morning, if that's you, that's the first area. Maybe for people who aren't sure about the call that God's given them. For the second of us, I reckon that there are people, maybe if you've recognized that over the passage of time, comparison has kind of snuck in to convince you that the call that you've been given is insignificant. Or, or maybe we've come to kind of despise the things we feel God's asked us to do because we see others doing things that seem more exciting or more meaningful. And we start to think, God, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. Uh, if, if this is something that you're wanting me to do. And I, you know, in my early 20s, I, I went through this period of, you know, I kind of heard people speak and it felt like each of those people kind of got to where they were because they had a really difficult situation and God had kind of worked through and broken through. And I remember thinking to myself, God, I don't think you could use me because my life just hasn't been that dramatic, right? 
Anyone else ever felt like that? Like I wasn't saved from a really abusive situation or, or drugs or, or these kind of things. And I just remember God being like, that doesn't diminish the call on your life just because I saved you from those things that you didn't have to experience those. But I think some of us were like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, kind of in that place, maybe this morning, like the older brother, and we've kind of watched God doing something in somebody else's life, but we're missing out on the celebration because there's this distance between us and we feel like, God, I'm, I'm hurt. I, I don't know. I, I need to bring these things to you, God, because actually I, I want to believe that what you've got for me is significant. And this morning, I, I believe God wants to restore our hope this morning. I believe He wants to speak to us. And, and the, the, the last group of people... You know, and I wanted to make it a space where I think every single person could respond, right? So be prepared, right? <laughs> Maybe we'll need more prayer people to come. That'd be awesome. Maybe you've got a really strong sense of your core, but actually you just need a fresh word from God this morning. Like we, I think there's this real uh, thing that, that we kind of get, and I think the enemy kind of sneaks in to be like, the only time I respond is when my life is completely falling apart. And so it feels really nervous coming down to the front or getting prayer or something like this because like, I don't wanna, either my life is falling apart and I don't wanna admit it, or I'm not sure, I feel nervous about that. Or like maybe people think something crazy is going on, you know? And like, but actually, I think God wants to speak to each one of us this morning, right? That I'm like, I remember someone said to me and I was really helpful, always look for an opportunity to respond. Always like try and count yourself in rather than counting yourself out of a response. And so this morning, we're gonna create a space and I'd love to be able to pray. Like I wanted to speak for a relatively short time because I wanted to create space for each of us to receive a word this morning. Maybe just a space like we do on Anointing Sunday where someone comes down and just for 30 seconds, they just pray some encouragement over you. And you can tell them, which one of those three camps you feel like you fit in if you want to. Or you can just be in a space as the team plays, as the team worships, uh, sings a song this morning where you're like, actually, God, I just want a, a fresh word from you. I want a, 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 just a, that feeling of like, yep, you're doing a good thing. You're doing the call that I've called you to. And there's a space for that this morning. And so can I invite you to stand? This morning, you know, I'd love as the team sings just to invite you to come. And I'm, can I encourage you? Let's be a people that champion one another. Let's be a people that, that have that little check, kind of like self-reflection and think, have I let comparison sneak in? Maybe like you realise, actually, I just, I just realised my joy has kind of gone a bit. And actually, I'm looking over and I, I just want to come back into that place. Just do the practices, encourage one another, be thankful, and keep following Jesus. Right? We're in community, and that's an incredibly powerful thing. And this morning, we get the blessing of that, right? We get the blessing of someone being able to pray for us. And so I'm going to pray for us together, and then I want to invite you to come.
Lord, this morning, God, I thank you for this group of people. God, I thank you that you've put us together to encourage one another, Lord, to be stronger together. And so this morning, God, I pray, uh, Lord, where comparison is sneaked in, that you would uh, take that in Jesus' name and that you would bring joy this morning, that there would be more joy available to us, God, that there would be steps and relationships, God, that there would be safe spaces where we can share and be encouraged by one another, where we can be challenged, God, where we can encourage one another to take steps of faith. God, I thank you for the people that you've put in our world, Lord, and I pray, uh, Lord, that we would be people who are unified together, that are moving in one, Lord, that are uh, just uh, uh, helping each other to flourish and thrive, God. I thank you for the blessing of these people, God. I pray that as they come right now, Lord, that you would speak in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.